Section 6 of The Ocean, a general account of the science of the sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ocean, a general account of the science of the sea, by John Murray. The Waters of the Ocean Salinity Gases Part 2 Salinity of Seawater It has been found, by numerous analyses, that the composition of seawater salts remains the same in all parts of the ocean and at all depths. That is to say, the actual ratio of bases and acids remains quite constant, the waters associated with the muds and oozes on the floor of the ocean, and the waters of the coasts, estuaries, and frozen seas, show slight variations in the individual constituent salts. But in the open ocean, away from contact with the shore and the bottom, the composition of the salts in seawater remains practically constant, while the concentration varies. The salinity or saltness, of seawater, is usually expressed as the amount of dissolved salts contained in 1,000 parts of water. In average seawater, the dissolved solids amount to about 35 per thousand, or 3.5 per cent. The term salt is applied not only to common salt, sodium chloride, but also to other similar compounds, like sodium sulphate, magnesium chloride, etc., which are present in seawater, though common salt forms the principal constituent. Methods of determining salinity For determining the salinity of a given sample of seawater, various methods may be employed. The most direct method is to evaporate a known volume of water, drying and weighing the salts left in the residue. But in the drying process, some of the chlorine is likely to be driven off as hydrochloric acid. Another method is to determine, by means of the hydrometer, or specific gravity bottle, or pycnometer, the relative density, or specific gravity, that is, the weight of a certain volume of seawater at a given temperature compared with that of an equal volume of pure water at its temperature of maximum density, 39.2 degrees Fahrenheit. A cubic centimetre of pure water at that temperature weighs one gram. Specific gravity varies with the amount of salts in solution, and depends also on the temperature, for seawater expands and becomes lighter when heated and contracts and becomes heavier when cooled, increasing in weight down to freezing point, which varies with the salinity. Therefore, if the specific gravity is always determined at the same temperature, or if the determinations are reduced to one standard temperature, differences of specific gravity are due to differences of salinity alone. It is usual nowadays to express salinity in figures indicating the amount of salts in 1,000 parts of seawater, but at the time of the Challenger expedition it was expressed, and still is by some observers, 
as specific gravity at 60 degrees Fahrenheit. The following table gives the figures of specific gravity at 60 degrees Fahrenheit, corresponding to various degrees of salinity. The first row of the table reading salinity per thousand, and the second row of the table reading specific gravity, with 0, 0.00 salinity per thousand, having a specific gravity of 1.0000, of 1.0058, of 1.0138, of 1.0220, of 1.0240, of 1.0260, of 1.0280, and 40.0 of 1.0300. The most recent method of determining salinity is based on the fact that the ratio of the salts in solution to each other and to the total salinity is practically constant everywhere. It follows, therefore, that if we can determine the amount of one salt, we can calculate the total weight of all the salts present. The amount of chlorine in seawater samples is easily and quickly determined by the method of chlorine titration. In order to obtain uniformity in the determination of chlorine, halogens, by different workers, samples of standard seawater are now issued by the International Commission for the Exploration of the Sea. Another method of determining the salinity is based upon the fact that the refractivity of water, i.e. the deflection undergone by a ray of monochromatic light when passing from air to water, stands in definite relation to the salinity, and still another method is based upon the measurement of the electrical conductivity, or resistance, of seawater. But on the whole, it may be said that the refractivity and conductivity methods of determining salinity have not come into general use. Distribution of salinity. See plate 3. The factors affecting the variation in the salinity of the surface waters of the ocean are precipitation and evaporation, the inflow of rivers, and the action of winds. In general, a high salinity is found in those regions where the temperature and evaporation are high and the rainfall is small, and vice versa. For instance, the highest salinity occurs in the eastern half of the Mediterranean and in the northern half of the Red Sea, where the salinity rises to over 39 per thousand, this being a region of great evaporation and small precipitation. The lowest salinities, under 34 per thousand, on the other hand, occur in the eastern part of the northern Indian Ocean, Bay of Bengal, Malay Archipelago, and western part of the China Sea, where the rainfall is extremely heavy and evaporation low. In the equatorial regions of each ocean, there is a band of comparatively fresh water, and fresh zones surround the melting ice in the Arctic and Antarctic regions. Where rivers enter the ocean, the lighter river water 
tends to float on the surface, and its freshening influence may be detected at great distances from the land. And when much detrital matter is associated with this river water, the detritus, in falling to the bottom, carries with it some fresh water, and thus dilutes the underlying salt water to great depths. The effect of rivers is well shown in the case of the Baltic and Black Seas, where the salinity does not exceed 20 per thousand, and the Gulf of Guinea, where the salinity is less than 32 per thousand. In permanent anticyclonic regions of the great oceans, the salinity is very high. In the Sargasso Sea region of the North Atlantic, it may attain 37.9 per thousand. Out of these areas, winds blow in all directions, and the drain caused thereby is compensated for by vast descending currents of very dry air, evaporation being necessarily very great. In tropical regions, the prevailing winds drive the surface waters westwards to the eastern shores of the continents, where, accordingly, there is a greater depth of warm and saline water than elsewhere, except where the rainfall is abnormally heavy. On the other hand, on the eastern sides of the oceans, whence the trade winds start on their course, as off the west coasts of Africa and South America, the warm saline surface water is driven seaward, and the colder and fresher water from below wells up to take its place. In the North Atlantic, the prevailing winds do not blow home to the eastern coasts of the United States, where the prevailing winds are southwesterly, and consequently the higher salinities occur some distance seaward. To the south of latitude 40 degrees north, the prevailing winds become more westerly as they advance in their easterly course, and gradually become northwesterly and then northerly on approaching the northwest coast of Africa, where they blow home, and where the higher salinities are found close to the coast. In the South Atlantic, the southeast trade winds blow home to the South American coast, between Cape St. Rock and the La Plata estuary, and it is off this coast that the higher salinities are found. The effect of the prevailing wind is also very marked over the open ocean. In the intertropical Atlantic, the line of lowest mean atmospheric pressure, towards which the prevailing winds and their attendant ocean currents flow, is situated at all seasons to the north of the equator, and therefore the surface currents of the South Atlantic, generated and maintained by the southeast trades, cross the equator conveying a high temperature and a high salinity into a hemisphere other than that in which they originate. The remarkable salinity of the North Atlantic, markedly higher than that of any other ocean, has its explanation in the enormous overflowings into it by the surface currents of the South Atlantic, together with the equally remarkable contributions to the salinity at greater depths from the Mediterranean. See figure 2. In the western portion of the Pacific, on the other hand, the line of lowest atmospheric pressure lies to the south of the equator for eight months of the year, and accordingly, northerly winds, with their accompanying ocean currents, 
cross the equator to latitude 15 degrees south, carrying a high salinity into the South Pacific. Thus, the conditions of salinity in the Atlantic and Pacific are reversed, the highest salinity being found to the north of the equator in the Atlantic and to the south of it in the Pacific. Generally speaking, the salinity of ocean water beneath the surface diminishes from the surface to a depth of 800 or 1,000 fathoms, and then increases to the bottom. It has long been known that an interchange of water takes place between the Mediterranean and the North Atlantic at the Straits of Gibraltar, an upper current flowing into the Mediterranean from the Atlantic, and an undercurrent flowing out of the Mediterranean into the Atlantic, this interchange being due to the lowering of the level of the Mediterranean by excessive evaporation, and to the extraordinary difference in the salinities of the two seas. The submarine ridge at the strait is covered by about 200 fathoms of water, so that all direct communication between the two seas is limited to that depth. The outflowing warm, dense saline water gradually sinks on entering the North Atlantic, and has a marked effect in raising the temperature and salinity of the deeper waters in that ocean. Again, between the Black Sea and the Mediterranean, there is a somewhat similar arrangement of currents. In this case, due to the raising of the level of the Black Sea by excessive inflow from rivers, and to the difference in salinity of the two seas, the intercommunication being complicated by the interposition of the little sea of Marmora between the two principal seas. The result is an outflowing surface current of brackish water through the Bosphorus into the Mediterranean, and a return undercurrent of dense saline Mediterranean water into the Black Sea. See figure 2. Figure 2. Diagrammatic section showing the inflowing and outflowing currents between the Mediterranean and the North Atlantic, on the one hand, and the Mediterranean and the Black Sea, on the other. There is a similar interchange of water by currents at the surface and below it between the Red Sea and the Indian Ocean through the Strait of Bab el-Mandeb. Gases in seawater Atmospheric air is, roughly speaking, composed of four-fifths of nitrogen to one-fifth of oxygen. But oxygen is much more soluble in water than nitrogen, so that these two gases are not present in the same proportion when air is dissolved in water, the ratio of oxygen to nitrogen being much increased. Dry air, free from extraneous substances, contains about 21% of oxygen. Air extracted from rainwater contains about 31% of oxygen, and air from seawater about 34% of oxygen, varying with the temperature and pressure. The solubility of these gases is affected by the temperature of the water. The higher the temperature, the smaller the quantity of gas absorbed, so that polar waters should, and actually do, contain more dissolved gases than tropical waters. The maximum amount of nitrogen and oxygen found by the Challenger was in the Southern Ocean, towards the Antarctic, where the water contained 23.58 cubic centimetres per litre, or parts per thousand. 
and the minimum was in the tropical West Pacific, where the water contained only 11.85 cc per litre of the two gases. In the former case, oxygen made up 35.01% of the mixture, and in the latter, 33.11%. In the Norwegian Sea, the percentage of oxygen in the mixture varies from 31.0 to 36.7, the average to the north of latitude 70 degrees north being 35.64, and to the south of latitude 70 degrees north, 34.96. At the surface, the mean percentage of oxygen is 35.3, diminishing beneath the surface to 32.5 at 300 fathoms beyond which depth it remains nearly constant. Except, perhaps, for an insignificant quantity of nitrogen derived from the decay of dead organisms, practically all the dissolved oxygen and nitrogen in the ocean has been absorbed at the surface, and has been distributed by currents and diffusion even into the deepest parts. Nitrogen suffers no diminution, but the oxygen is continually being used up by marine organisms in respiration during life and in putrefaction after death. There is constant renewal of the oxygen at the surface, but were it not for the general circulation of its waters, however sluggish the motion, the proportion of oxygen in the depths of the ocean might be reduced ultimately to zero. Numerous analyses of deep-sea waters prove the presence of absorbed oxygen everywhere, so that in the deep open ocean, not even at the greatest depths, is there absolute stagnation. In some enclosed seas, like the Black Sea, where vertical circulation is almost nil, there is an absence of oxygen in deep water. Carbonic acid is found as a free gas in very small quantities in seawater being more abundant in combination as carbonates and bicarbonates, so that, though there may be 50 cc per litre, or parts per thousand, of carbonic acid in seawater, only a few tenths of a cc is free gas in solution. The quantity varies considerably, depending largely upon the activity of plants and animals, and upon atmospheric conditions. When there is much carbonic acid in the air, as in regions near land and near active volcanoes, much is absorbed by the sea. The tension of carbonic acid is usually greater over the land than over the sea, and the tension may be less in the air over the sea than in the sea itself, in which case carbonic acid would pass from the sea to the air. Thus, according to circumstances, there is an interchange of carbonic acid between the air and the sea, so that the sea has a regulating influence upon the amount of carbonic acid in the atmosphere. Beneath the surface, the amount of free carbonic acid in the water has been shown in some places to increase with increase of depth. Gases in the Black Sea The chemical conditions in the Black Sea as compared with those in the open ocean, are peculiar, and may be briefly referred to. It has been calculated that the quantity of water introduced annually into the Black Sea from the Mediterranean by the undercurrent through the Bosphorus 
is only one two thousand five hundredth part of the volume of the Black Sea, so that, while the surface waters are being constantly renewed, the water of the deeper layers can be renewed only once in 2,500 years or longer. Consequently, the upper layers, down to about 125 fathoms, are normal in character, and contain a quantity of dissolved air sufficient to sustain life, but the oxygen of the deeper layers can only be renewed by diffusion and by the undercurrent from the Bosphorus, therefore much too slowly to maintain life. The amount of atmospheric gases diminishes with increase of depth, and, at the same time, sulphuretted hydrogen is formed and augments gradually on descending into deeper water, being equal to 33 cc per litre, or parts per thousand, at a depth of 100 fathoms, 222 cc per litre at 200 fathoms, 555 at 950 fathoms, and 655 at 1185 fathoms. Similarly, sulphides appear and increase with the depth. The presence of sulphuretted hydrogen is attributed to the activity of bacteria. It partially combines with iron salts and partially penetrates into the water its conservation being favoured by the poverty in oxygen of the deeper waters. Other chemical modifications in the deeper waters and deposits result, such as a relative diminution of sulphates and increase of carbonates, and the deposition of a powdery precipitate of calcium carbonate. End of section 6. Read by Helena Dunstan. Oxford. April 2022